Hey, everybody. Welcome to Social Beauty Makers, the podcast, where every Wednesday we're bringing you fast-paced, powerful 15 or so minute episodes meant to inform, educate, and inspire around a variety of topics, including trends in all things tech for the professional salon industry. Before I get started, a reminder. On Sundays, you can find me hosting BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty podcast, featuring brilliant guests sharing their best advice on building sustainable and successful careers. And um, thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. So the plan today was to talk about artificial intelligence. There is so much going on. Um, I, I was uh, excited to see uh, my friend Mary Rector on Behind the Chair. Uh, she did a post, um, I think it was yesterday or the day before, where she was showing herself doing some artificial intelligence. It was fun. She and I did something similar to that Moroccan oil event. And um, yeah, it's, it's a big conversation. It is moving fast. So I am going to focus on it next week. This week, Oh my gosh, uh, coach is in my face again. Uh, if you listen to me regularly, you know I'm, I'm a little obsessed, but not with any one thing. I, I'm obsessed with the proper information, reaching folks when they need it, so they can absorb it, put it into the context of their own careers, their own lives, um, compare and contrast it with other informations out there, but you know, hopefully get to the good stuff that allows them each, all of us, to have the best possible careers, um, professional lives, uh, and most importantly, bigger lives, uh, as big as possible, all because they're in this industry. But bad information, ooh, <laughs> it bothers me a lot. And, you know, we live in the age of coaches, and, and that really excites me, it really excites me. Coming out of pandemic, it's a category in the larger world that just blew up, and there's a lot of good in it. I kind of feel like the 80-20 rule applies here, and I'm going to kind of do the opposite. I think 20% perhaps, and, and there's nothing, there's no research behind this. It's just observationally, but it feels like because coaching blew up and somewhat, a little bit of it's artificial, you know, a lot of folks jumped on the bandwagon, saw opportunity, nothing wrong with that. As long as you go, go out and get the skills needed, just like hairdressing, right? You say, oh, there's an opportunity to make a good living doing that, doing hair. What do I got to do? Well, you go to school, you get trained, you know, you, you find mentors, you find role models, you get licensed. Um, the same should happen no matter what we're doing, you know, experience matters, you know, knowledge matters. And so in this world of coaching coming through pandemic, a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon and they perhaps had role models or even mentors um, who may or may not have been the right people, but, but they had them, I hope. Um, and, you know, that kind of informed them. And depending on who they're listening to, it may have informed them in the wrong way. Or perhaps they had really good information and experience, but that doesn't mean they know how to coach, which is different than teaching. Teaching is, is not an easy thing. As hard, if not harder than doing hair and coaching would fall into the same category. There are professional certifications for coaches and a certification doesn't mean you necessarily know everything um, or even that you deserve to be certified, but, but they are out there. Also, there was a conversation about hiring. Hiring and, and looking for a job, both, you know, and kind of was all over the place, talked about, you know, a number of things. Um, but one thing they always say is kind of like, hey, if you're looking for a job, you know, um, everybody's going to be in line to want to hire you. And, and you're actually in control of that situation. You should just say, you know, what you want and which you can, of course, what you want to charge. Um, you can say whatever you want and, and then you, know, you have to negotiate your way from there. Now, I will give them credit. They said, you know, don't be, you know, difficult in your negotiating, you know, um, I think they use the percentage as something they wouldn't argue, but the prices they would, they would only work someplace where they completely control their prices, which I still don't, haven't found that many salons who actually do that. You know, they have a small list of salons that they work with. It's on their salon. You can see their locator and by small, you know, actually, I don't remember the number, maybe 50 or something like that. Um, 
good for them, however many they're working on. But sometimes I listen and think, oh my God, there's like thousands of salons that must be using this. And, and, and that would not be the case, which limits their context. That's not a bad thing. You know, working with a small number of customers or a medium, whatever the list is, it's all relative. If you're running your business, it makes you happy. Yay. You know, so that, that is not a criticism. But again, marketing, perception, you know, when, when reality doesn't appear to line up with that, that would be a criticism. So talking about hiring, you know, uh, and, and um, got into a couple things, you know, so one was like job boards. They talked about job boards. Uh, they mentioned Indeed specifically. They mentioned some industry job boards. Um, I am CEO and president of Beautycast Network. Um, that's not a job board. We have a completely different model. So we're not a job board, but we're in that kind of placement space. So, but completely, com completely different <laughs> than job boards. They talked about Indeed, you know, Indeed's the biggest, I think today of the job, job platforms. It's a multi billion dollar business. Um, it's got over, well over a hundred, I think it's like a hundred, it's got a lot of employees, like I think over a hundred thousand if I, I remember right. They've got, you know, billions of dollars in funding. They are a big, big company. Everybody is on there. Executive jobs for Google, executive jobs for Amazon, um, in the beauty industry, executive jobs, middle management jobs, instructor jobs, hairdresser jobs, um, hundreds of them in every city. They kind of made in front of LinkedIn and said, you know, that, you know, why would you look for a job on LinkedIn? And I'd say if you're going to look anywhere for a job on kind of a social like platform, um, LinkedIn is probably the best because there's more salon owners that are kind of aggregated in, in a way that's not hard to find on, on LinkedIn than any place else, like bar none. You kind of have to know the audiences and understand the platforms and what they're best used for. And you want to market to clients and Instagram is great for that. You want to connect with your own community. Instagram can be great for that, but you want to get into the business side of everything. That's what's going on over on LinkedIn all day, every day. And there's a lot of hairdresser conversations that are really smart. A lot of salon owners, a lot of brands. LinkedIn's happening. Yeah, LinkedIn's happening. And Indeed is a real job board that um, lots and lots and lots of people um, are using and they put full information. I'm looking at a cosmetology instructor job here and it's got so much detail, you know, from pay to qualifications to benefits. I mean, it's all here. And so I think, you know, that is a, an interesting opportunity. And I, and I would, I just, I would, I would not poo poo it. Yeah. Um, there's so many great ways to find jobs. Job boards, I think, are one of them. You know, we're a different model. We work directly with schools and employers. So that's, you know, completely, you know, different, whole different category of business. Um, Craigslist, you know, they kind of trash Craigslist. I mean, there's jobs out there. You know, if you're looking, I say avail yourself to every one of those resources. It doesn't take a lot of time to kind of check out what's happening in different places. The majority of jobs that, that go well in this industry come by way of networking. You know, it's a hairdresser who knows the hairdressers. One thing I love about Chicago, I love about Atlanta, everybody kind of knows everybody. You know, there's so many of the professionals in these markets are really connected. And so, so much of quote unquote recruitment, so much of movement among salons, it's not salons poaching people, which they recommend, you know, just because big companies do that, which by the way, that's not the primary strategy of big companies, you know, out there, you know, trying to grab people away. You know, we hear this, you know, um, kind of the Hollywood version of things and it's a gazillion dollar status in corporate America. But it's, there's so much power networking in every industry that goes on and people know each other. And when a person's unhappy or thinking about their next step, they often reach out to somebody else in the industry. And that's how a lot of movement happens. There's so many of my favorite hairdresser friends in the industry for decades, not the friends for decades, but across decades, a variety of friends, including new friends. More often than not, it's who you know and who you've bumped into and how you've bumped into them that will help determine so much of your career trajectory, you know? So... Um, anyway, it drives, it drives me crazy, you know, that that sort of stuff is, is being talked about. They also talk about commissions. 
and everything's so black and white, you know, retail doesn't work. Um, if anybody tells you retail doesn't work, run away, run away, run away, run away. I'm not talking for brands. I'm not talking pro retail or anti product or pro, pro none of that. It's a giant math equation, folks. <laughs> it's a giant math equation, you know, um, and there are, is over $4 billion of retail sales that happen every 12 months or so at the salon level. And 20% of salons are doing it. They're making a lot of money. That doesn't mean you have to do it. That doesn't mean you'll be successful at doing it. Although if you learn the best practices, you can be. Um, so much of the conversation, but this idea that, oh, someone's going to make fun of you because that's what often happens in these conversations I hear. Sarcasm and, and like, oh, poor you, you know, who, who's doing this? Oh my gosh. Retail is a massive opportunity for anybody who's not doing it. I'm sorry, it, it just kind of is. Doesn't mean you have to do it. Extensions are a massive opportunity for many. It doesn't mean you have to do it. You know, so that's crazy. Another thing, um, talked about, you know, if you're looking for a job, you know, um, if, that, if you're offered more than 50% um, commission, run away. Run away because they're going to go out of business, guaranteed. Now, there's all kinds of best practices in the industry about, you know, the percentages. And there are certainly is the best practice that says that 50% line is difficult. Does it mean they're going to go out of business? No. I know a lot of very successful salon owners, very successful, who have stylists who are working at more than 50%. Now, big idea about business. These percentages are aggregate, not individual. Aggregate, not individual. Based on your level of experience, you can be in a salon and get a different commission than somebody else. And there's a lot of salons that have gotten progressive in their commission thinking they want to keep their average of all commissions below 50. That's just managing payroll and all businesses have to do this. And in a commission environment, it's even a little bit more difficult. But if someone's been with you for 25 years and has developed a great book and has, has contributed to the salon and the salon culture and the salon success, and it's time to bump them up or potentially lose them completely, which can be harmful to everybody. At least in my example, I'll say that it will be. There could be other examples where that's not true. It's, it, again, it's not cookie cutter industry. Um, but just because someone offers you more than 50% doesn't mean that that's the average in their business, number one. Number two, um, one of the biggest salon chains in the country, and I actually think two of the biggest salon chains in the country, but one of them very well known, I'm not gonna go into the details here, but huge business, successful business, iconic business, and they pay more than 50% to their stylists. I don't know much about the junior stylist thing and if they have that category, but I can tell you across the board, they're above that number. Been doing it for quite a, quite a bit now and very successful, not going anywhere not going anywhere. So again, these, you know, black and white, everything has to be a, a certain way, you know, really drives me a little crazy. And I think it's so important, you know, that we, that we all do our homework and, and get context. And, and, you know, that comes from, I say this in the last podcast, you know, check out your sources, especially if you're going to hire a coach, you know, it's like, and it's, it's hard in our business, you know, so think about this. You know, physical fitness coaches, we kind of get that, right? We live in a gym culture. I don't, but many people do live in a gym culture, you know, fitness culture, you know, in so many ways. Um, and again, uh, as Americans, we have a lot of people who, who should be a part of that culture, probably myself included. But when you're thinking about a fitness coach, and I've had a couple um, through the course of my life, um, I didn't do well with any of them, I'll say honestly, because I'm not a fitness person, um, just not my thing do other things to keep myself healthy. I will say that. Um, however, if I'm looking for a fitness coach, I'm going to look for a fit person to coach me. 
right? I'm going to look for a fit person to coach me. When I think about a business coach, I'm going to look for someone successful in business or, or who has been in other ways or who has also been successful in other businesses. Um, the businesses specifically, hopefully they're coaching me on or have some really strong connections to it or something. And, you know, because we, again, we, we hear marketing, you know, it says, oh, here's what I am. Here's what I do. Here's how I'm going to help you. Um, um, and, you know, again, in this stuff I've been listening to, one of the comments that was made, you know, well, someday when I open my salon, you know, I just kind of like, okay, well, yeah, someday. Um, and um, from a coach, you know, and I'm only going to hire people who, who, uh, uh, who don't live at home and who have children. That's who I'm going to hire, you know. And there was some funny stuff said, but they got to this. It was just kind of serious. This is, this is who I'm going to hire. And never, ever, ever anybody hire students right out of school. And then it was kind of uh, um, fixed up a little bit, you know, and said, well, you know, unless you're every chair in your place is full, only hire students, you know, then because students um, don't have a book. Oh, my God. Like, I know so many salons that would go, what? Who have proof points that the way they do it, not that everybody should do it the same way because they shouldn't. All depends on your circumstances, but you really have to understand the business and all the different drivers and all the different variations and what is good and what could not be good for your circumstance. And, and, um, but students, oh my God, if you're a salon that's throwing off business because you cannot keep your stylist busy, I'm sorry. If you're a salon that is throwing away business, giving away business because you don't have enough people to take the clients. If you are a big walk-in kind of salon, you've got that traffic, you know, there's people are coming by, you just have that lucky location. You can't keep up with the walk-in traffic or you can't keep up with the phones, you know, and people are not booking because you can't even answer the phones. Those, these are salons that often love to have students in the mix because one of the biggest challenges in being a student and being a student in a salon that's fully booked with experienced people and you get to be the assistant, which so many people have talked about how we're moving farther and farther away from that because of students' impatience, I love the assistantship programs. I love a good apprentice program. Again, different strokes for different folks. There's no, there is no one absolute right way to do things in this industry. But I can say that absolutes about don't ever hire a student, you know, if you have an empty chair, um, if you don't have a different or better option. And, and maybe your philosophy is you only want a student. You have an empty chair, but you have a healthy business and you're in a position to groom that person, to help that person, to build that person. Number one, you could put clients in their chair. That's a big deal. And maybe that's your philosophy because you want to grow your own team, grow your own culture. I know a lot of salons, especially pre-pandemic, they only wanted to grow their own and they'd still be doing it if it completely worked. But one of the reasons it didn't work, there were some bigger kind of foundational changes in the industry, definitely some, some generational stuff. But I also know people who've changed their policy are now accepting lots of different types of people to come to work for them. Their culture struggles because you're, you're bringing people from different cultures, salon cultures into one mix and they're struggling their way through that. So, all right. So, I am at a time. Um, I am talking AI for sure next time. And I don't want to sound like I'm obsessed, you know, um, um, with anything other than bringing the truth to my audience. And the truth is complicated and facts are complicated, um, but they're not, they're not unimportant and they actually exist, right? You know, facts exist. The truth exists. Uh, opinions um, exist. We're allowed to have them, but we should make clear what our opinions are and what's not. And like what I try to do, offer context, context around those things that, that I would say are factual, um, like those percentage numbers, right? They work for some, they don't work for others. But this like 
don't. Don't go to work for anybody who offers you more than this. That, that, again, is a little complex, especially now that we have people who are moving probably in greater numbers than ever as experienced people from salon to salon. So again, complicated. All right. I'm out of time. I'm going to try not to talk about this again for a little bit. I'm going back to tech probably for the next several episodes because there's that much stuff going on. And more and more hairdressers are trying AI. I'm hearing from so many of you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I, um, if you like the podcast, I, I, I hope you'll uh, leave a review. I'll, I'll say that here before, before you tune out. Um, haven't had any reviews in a bit. I'd like to get a review. Any, you know, whatever you feel is what you feel, you know, so I like the positive reviews, they make me more happy. If I get a negative review, it makes me ponder and think, and and uh, that's not a bad thing either, so just leave me a review. I'm out of time. Um, I hope what you liked uh, that I had to say today, I hope it's helpful in some way. I encourage you to visit me over at socialbeautymakers.com, sign up for my free e-newsletter for more content, access to the podcast early. Um, I hope you'll check me out on Sunday, Beautycast Network's Mastering Beauty every week, and uh, having great conversations over there. Um, Really proud of that work. And again, it's a, a different podcast. You have to go look for it, you know, so <laughs> mastering beauty. And lastly, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it more than you could ever know. I'm Gordon Miller, and I cannot wait to share more with you next time. <laughs>